Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My Seven Wonders Live. In the My Seven Wonders podcast, I ask a special guest to select and talk about the seven wonders of his or her world. This episode is one of several we recorded in front of a live audience at the 2022 Edinburgh Festival Fringe. The guest for this recording is a very popular comedian who's been a regular performer at the Edinburgh Fringe for many years and an irregular performer on all sorts of panel shows, comedy programmes, on TV and radio. He's also a novelist who's published half a dozen titles already. So here we are with an enthusiastic Edinburgh Fringe audience exploring the seven wonders of Mark Watson. So now, um, so you're doing a show here, so that's, I'll be polite enough to mention that, if I may. So what's your show called this year? <clears throat> the show's called uh, This Can't Be It, and it's, um, well, I had s- almost the opposite. I was very much more fortunate than you um, in that I began to tour this show yeah, before everything happened. Then it was put on long hiatus, of yeah. course. And uh, So yeah. this is sort of, in a way, the, the, the farewell month for this. Oh, I, I do have a, uh, quite a few tour dates still to come, actually. But, and so I've been really enjoying it. I'm, I'm not... Um, yeah. Well, it's my day off today, uh, in oh. theory, but my children are here. So, uh, as you'll be aware, it's by no definition a day off, uh, really. No. I, and by here, I mean they're literally watching this, which yeah. puts an extra layer of pressure on do it. They, I, uh, do, they, do they often see you? Are they fans or are they here, you know, under sufferance? <laughs> ah, it's a bit of both. Uh, <laughs> I think they, um, well, they have voluntarily watched the, um, the, the last three nights of the show from the wings. So I suppose yeah. that makes them fans. But on the other hand, if I just left them somewhere... That would be abuse. So I, um, <laughs> I think you have to say it's uh, fandom, but under yeah. quite it's, a d- it's one degree of from, pressure. One up from abuse. It, it's it's yeah. making them suffer your comedy every night. Yeah, so, I mean, I do yeah. get them up. I've had them up on stage a couple of times for the audience to applaud them. But even that is the sort of thing that might be mentioned to a therapist in 10 years' time. Yeah, right. I accept that, yeah. Now, uh, you, you sometimes do marathon shows, like 24-hour shows. I have uh, done that quite well, a few times here, yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, I think you've done it in London as well. But what's... Uh, what, what got you going doing that? Was that for charity purposes or just the challenge to see yeah, if the, you... <laughs> the stupid thing is, it wasn't even for charity. The, um, the, the most recent two or three were for Comic Relief in London, um, and those were uh, you know, proper fundraising yeah. efforts. But no, the, the, uh, the genesis of the idea was, of course, here, the Fringe is the only place you'd come up with something like this and try and do it. I think this yeah. is a long time ago now, 18 years ago, the first one. And it was quite simply that I thought... Um, I had come here as a student, and you know, then there's a very young comedian... And I found it very heady, the atmosphere of experimentation and uh, adventure. And I just sort of thought, why has no one ever done a 24-hour show um, before? And uh, it became one of those things where you think, oh, if I, now I've had the idea, I've got to do it, or someone else will take it. But actually, yeah. I realise now, no, no one else wanted to. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good reason why no one's yeah. done it. It's uh, physically yeah. and mentally punishing. But it became odd. The first one was got quite a lot of attention in the way these fringe things do, and it became an annual tradition. And I um, stopped doing it quite a long time ago, then rekindled the idea in London 
but in two years, in 2024, it'll be the 20th anniversary of the first one of these. Yeah. So I almost certainly can't resist revisiting the idea. Oh, well, we Although it's sort of a young man's game. I'll be 44 by then, and I might have quite yeah. a few regrets. Um, 44 is still young, isn't it? Can I get well, a actually, consensus sorry. in the room? I forgot yeah. about the likely <laughs> demographic here. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> My kids are doing us all a favour, yeah, yeah. lowering the yeah, average absolutely. age significantly. Yeah, kind of depends upon people having a vague idea who I am, and uh, that is a there is a skew in the age function. I meet a lot of fans around. Well, I, I meet a lot of children or grandchildren of fans of mine walking around. Uh, oh. I, even at my age, people more commonly say, "My mum likes you yeah. than I like you," and yeah. I don't know what to make of it really. Yeah, well, meet the mum. Now the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You can't let's, always, though. Yeah. <laughs> let's, because uh, your children, so so let's um, let's start with your first wonder. Uh, you've provided me the list of wonders, so I'll just sort of uh, tee you off if I may. So the first, and there's a, it's a, it's an interesting list of wonders. Yeah, broadly speaking, I have gone for sort of a geographical spread of wonders. I've taken it fairly literally. I okay. Think. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so your first one is Adelaide Hills Wineries. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> did you have an interesting experience in Australia well, once on a tour? Or before something? you. Uh, before you began the pandemic, uh, I used to travel quite a lot, and um, that is just coming back now. And uh, two or three of my choices are sort of Australian uh, flavoured because it's where I've spent some of my happiest times. Mm. Um, yeah, specifically, uh, I first went there as a, as a young comedian, a young man, and um, I'd never been on a winery's tour or even to a winery. And um, yeah, another comedian just said to me, uh, We're just going to go around all these places, and everywhere you go, you could just demand as much free wine as you want mm. and all you have to do in exchange is listen to them talk about it. Yeah. And I, I, it seemed too good to be true, yeah. but sure enough, that was yeah. basically the size of it. So one of the happiest days of my life at the time. I, um, looking back, though, the other guy was driving us. But, um, <laughs> I only, only uh, meant, uh, thought very recently, uh, well, hang on, how do we get around? And there's no doubt about yeah. it. He had about, of course, each wine was about that size, but nonetheless... Uh, must have been about 46 of them by the end of the day. But yeah, I had yeah. no driving responsibilities. In fact, I still don't drive. And um, I won't say that's entirely because of my enthusiasm for wineries, but it is a contributing factor. Yeah, sure. um, I, I think that one of the most, if you are a wine drinker, one of the most, um, at the time I had absolutely no idea of, uh, you know, about wine as an industry or the different grapes, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. I just knew that I liked drinking it. And uh, 15 years on, now I'm the sort of guy who... Um, listens and nods when they talk about uh, you know, leaving the skins on the grapes yeah. or the cool climate and stuff but ultimately I, I know in my heart I'm still a guy that just really likes yes. drinking it and uh, there's nothing quite like doing it in Australia I think because of the uh, I mean it's, of course it's largely about the booze but there's also the grandeur of the landscapes the beauty of it the, yeah. the beauty of the sky that, so it's, it's kind of um, and I think I've also always been drawn to Australia because I mean it's probably quite a depressing thing to say but it's just so far from home yeah. there's um sorry kids yeah. uh, but it's just um they're coming they're the next time yeah. they will be hopefully coming next year yeah. yeah there's something um i'd never done anything like it when i first went there and so I, and again i was only mid-20s and i experienced this it's quite dizzying sense of so did you go out to appear at the or let's say the adelaide it was comedy the, festival uh, yes adelaide fringe and then the melbourne comedy festival yeah. it was my first time in australia i'd never really dreamed that work would take me so far away, obviously, yeah. and I'd never been to Australia. So I was the only British person, in fact, not to go there before university. <laughs> uh, um, somehow managed to go not to Australia nor to Thailand. Just went, yeah. just went straight to university like a loser. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> so I did have this sort of complex that I'd ne never travelled very much. And so, uh, 
breathtaking idea to me that just by, by doing this I could get to so I was very starry eyed about going there um, and I've now been to Australia lots of times but I never quite lose my sense of uh, wonder about yeah. it I think this, this reminded me, I went to Australia uh, before you, but, you know, when I was similar sort of age that you're talking about. And I, uh, I'm not a wine expert, but I thought, oh, these Australian wines are nice, simple ones to get your head round. And I came back thinking, oh, um, that's what I'm going to go for. That'll be my choice. So I went to buy some Australian wine and I said, I don't, I don't know if you'd have Australian wine. And he said, yeah, there's a huge section over there. Everybody's drinking Australian wine. And I was accidentally just absorbing the fashion of the time because, it's you know, it is everywhere now. So that was another... Yeah. Although what we have is still quite relatively cheap Australian wines. Yes. One lesson uh, you'll know if you've been to Australia, almost all their good stuff they keep. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> the worst Australian beer, Foster's, is the one that they've successfully convinced us is yeah. what everyone drinks. You'll yeah. remember the enormous con in the 80s where the whole British public was convinced that Australians either drink Foster's yeah. or Castlemaine. wouldn't give a yeah. 4X for... Yeah. But I've barely met an Australian that would go near Foster's uh, and Castlemaine yeah. 4X barely exists yeah. anymore. And... Mind you, not all of it is like neighbours either. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if your idea of Australia was shaped by the eighties, like people come back to life far less than you would imagine yeah. from watching yeah. Neighbours. And um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, it's sort of the same with wines. There are all these wines, like you know, Jacob's Creek type wines, yeah. which um, the bottles imply that they are the absolute prime of Australia. But uh, again, Australians would uh, barely touch it. Right. The average calibre of a very cheap bottle of wine there is extraordinary, but. Uh, most of it doesn't find its way here, and you can only you can only get some so much oh. of it back in your suitcase, of course. Okay. Yes, I'm happy buying a, you know low cost wine. That's 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 my wine of choice. But well, I, uh, I know yeah. that's not the connoisseur's route. No, I'm that's... certainly not a connoisseur. I'm not posh about it. It's just uh, without wanting to sound too technical, uh, because there'll be people here who perhaps are not up on wine like I am. Uh, I think the hangovers are worse with shit wine. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> that informs my yes. buying choices, Clive. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even come to yeah. this conclusion myself. Somebody said to me a few years ago, I said I don't really taste a huge amount of difference between these supermarket wines and the... And the guy said to me, but you will notice a difference in the morning. And I, I do think now as I get older, okay. that's probably true, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, do, am I getting from that you you feel happier in Australia? You you, you sometimes have a... I mean, maybe it's just your, your comedy act. You sometimes have a sort of depressed sort of sound to occasionally. <laughs> but, but then you, your eyes you searching for you're searching for... You're searching for a more diplomatic word than that. Well, like, I, um, do you know what I mean? Some people are, hey, 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 yeah, good. No, no, and no, other I, comedians are always, isn't life dreadful? Yeah. Uh, and I would put you towards that end of the scale. Yes, you'd put me in the sort of uh, quite substantial. Yeah. Miserable bastard genre yeah, yeah. of comedians. Um, Not the, quite the full Jack D, but you know, quite. You know, no, yeah. I don't think I could sustain it as long as Jack has. No, <laughs> I, um, well, it's funny actually. I'd, I'd say uh, that has been true for quite a lot of my career. I, I've been quite a lot uh, perkier in my uh, over the past couple of years. Actually. Oh, right. I think yeah. gradually I'm perhaps. Um, well, there's the, there's the worrying idea that I might be getting happier in life, but that has disastrous consequences for a comedian. Absolutely. Obviously, yeah. imagine if Jack D had suddenly perked up in his fifties. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Well, he, he claims that he got nowhere as a comedian until he decided he wasn't going to do it. And then yeah. he, had, he had a booking at the comedy store somewhere. So we went along and just said, oh, I can't stand doing it. I'm not. And everyone f- fell about laughing. And he, yeah, I've, and, and I've heard him say that before. Yeah. Imagine doing that one night and then it turns out that's what people wanted for 40 years. Yeah. Though, or however, like, <laughs> <laughs> he might be as happy as Larry, but we'll never yeah, know. I think um, he is, really. I think I probably... I think there are certain things about Australia which do bring... I, spe- I suppose all of us feel there are different... Uh, uh, parts of the world away from home that bring another side out of you. Just the weather tends to yeah. make me uh, cheerful, for example. Yeah. Um, and uh, I suppose the, the sort of food and drinks. For good. But of course, part of what it is is that when I'm there, I'm nearly always there 
just as a performer, I have very few responsibilities. I, yeah. uh, it's, it's sort of is like, a, you know, I, I don't have many holidays um, because I travel enough that I regard those those work trips as holidays. Um, but in practice, a lot of them are just rushing about from place to place. Whereas in Australia, I've been in the same place for maybe three or four weeks. So, that mm. does, so it's probably a lot of it is just that. But I do have a real fondness for um, the Australian people and the landscape and just everything about the country. Yeah. Jolly good. OK, well, we're, we're moving on to your next wonder, which takes us uh, a bit closer to home. Um, but, and I don't not quite sh- well, I'm guessing why this is on here. I can't work it out. The old Shea ground Halifax. Uh, yes, this is quite a leap, I accept it. Yeah. Oh, Yorkshire people here. I, um, yeah, I oh, well, how lucky. There's a huge clack of Yorkshiremen and women in, uh, to sub- maybe from Halifax. It wasn't luck. I know my audience. I, uh, <laughs> I sent out a massive questionnaire this morning. Um, yes. You can't be from Halifax. That, well, that is a well, remarkable... That, that is. That's a huge yeah, coincidence. Yeah. I, yeah. No one could have expected that. Um, now look, no. So before we get to your word, and I, when I first saw you performing, which was a long while ago, it was actually the uh, Hay Literary Festival. Oh, that's right. And you came yeah. on, and you were you were Welsh in those days. Yeah, funny You're, things. Funny things happen over time. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> you you performed as a Welsh. I, for person. the first few years, I yes. did, and that was something which sort of hatched here again at the Fringe. Yeah. Uh, I won an open mic competition. Uh, it's a little bit like the Jack D thing, actually. Yeah. I just did it as sort of Welsh persona on a whim, and then that started to go well. And then I began being introduced as the Welsh comedian. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember, I think all that made me stop it really was well, firstly, Rod Gilbert came along, and uh, I, I felt as if well, I was stealing his There's been lots of Welsh life. comedians. Well. It's yeah. true, it's true. Yeah. There's been Max Boyce who come and gone well before. I don't think he, he's not gone, actually. No, um, he's, yeah, he's... no one is quite that Welsh, I suppose. But um, <laughs> it was also actually. You might have even been there. There was a, basically what started to happen was that I appeared more and more on Radio Four and other places where, specifically, there was a, an episode of Loose Ends yeah. where I was on, and I, so I, you do your act. Oh, plenty of people here will heard Loose Ends. You, you perform your stand up, so. yeah, surely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so I did my five minutes of stand up with the oh. other acts around the table, but then there's a bit where you just chat, and I had to maintain the Welsh accent. During that, and this was happening more and more. I, I don't get a lift home with a comedian. Often, when you start out, you you're dependent on the other comedian. You go somewhere like Halifax, someone that drives everyone home. Yeah. And I end up talking for three or four hours in in my adopted Welsh accent, just to oh thanks for thanks for the lift. I'll give yes. you some petrol money. Yeah. And, and I start to think, well, this is um, I'm I'm living more in a, in a lie than in reality here. Right. Yeah. Um. And so there was a day when I went on Radio Four, something like Lucens, performed in my Welsh accent, and then just spoke in my normal voice. And there were quite a lot of I don't exactly complaints, but there were confused uh, well, listener be, feedback yes. after that. Yeah. yeah. And so I started to think it probably is time to retire this. Otherwise, I'll be in the Jack D situation. Mm. I'll still be doing it. It was a very All easy right. accent for me to adopt because my, a lot yeah. of my family are from, Welsh, uh, from Wales, but you can't, um, you don't want to do that for your whole life. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, uh, I'm disturbed. You obviously remember being on Loose End. You can't remember if it was me or Ned Sheeran presenting at the time, <laughs> uh, but which is fair <laughs> enough. And uh, that bit when a comedian did a few minutes, I got rid of on that because I thought that was the worst gig to give a comedian to perform to, it might be about 20 people. I think and I, I said, did it, first was definitely Ned Sharon because yeah. I couldn't believe I was meeting him and then I think it was with you and you're right, by then it was just a chat yes. and uh, it was yeah. much better. Yeah, yeah. nothing's odder really than doing stand-up to literally six people yeah. and there's always a band there as well. Yes, You yeah. see the, ba- yeah. the band with the best one in the world are probably not going to laugh uh, that well, much, depend- so they're, they're well, tuning we, their instruments. Well, we often have, you know, musicians from Mali or Japan or somewhere, so they're not always the most receptive audience. They might not be big on a, a joke about the big breakfast or yes, something. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. So you're, so you're I think your mother's Welsh, and that's right, a yeah. lot of. And and you, I grew up in Bristol, in fact, yeah. so almost in Wales. Yeah. Um, although an important distinction uh, as yeah. far as Bristolian well, is concerned. But Bristolian accent is off is a is a 
popular accent for, for comedians and comedy as well. So you could have switched between the two. You could have done a bit more, uh, bit uh, more Bristol. And then, that's then, right, yeah. yeah. But the, but the, because my, my dad is neither from Bristol nor Wales, I didn't really. I think my, my accent sort of comes from him. I didn't really pick up much of a natural. There's occasional Bristolian tang that comes in. If I'm in Bristol, I become more Bristolian. Oh, of course. And if yeah. I'm at the football or doing yeah. some other Bristolian thing, I um. Okay. Suddenly, to a degree, which is quite embarrassing, actually. All right. Well, we've got to get back to Halifax, yes. though. So this is not Bristol. No. It's not Wales. It's not Edinburgh. You haven't mentioned Halifax until we get to this one, but so no, why? In, in fact, my, my experience of uh, performing in Halifax has been quite limited. I've only done two shows there. The first one was uh, with Russell Howard, and both of us were very young comedians at the time. Uh, and it was my first, one of my first ever gigs in Yorkshire, in fact. And I had this idea in my head that uh, it would be, that'd be rough, that I would be regarded with suspicion as a southerner. So I was pacing up and down, thinking, "Don't let yourself down." You, 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 like in those days, you do a lot of early, early career. You do a lot of sort of rougher club gigs as well. Yeah. Um, this I can't remember the name of the place, but it did seem quite intimidating. Uh, so, I, and so I was just like walking up and down, walking up and down, getting yeah. more and more frantic. Uh, my name was called. Walked on, thinking, "Be confident. Look, look, bold, look rough." Looked, um, and, but in fact, I'd uh, given myself a nosebleed and it was all over me. And so, um, <laughs> so I walked on stage, felt the audience gasp, looked down, absolutely covered in blood. And yeah. um, it was quite a memorable gig. Yes. I, uh, yeah. And they wouldn't know whether you'd been hit as you came up, or it was part of a comedy I, I nearly, skit. I nearly oh, it's a bit like his Welsh accent. He just, he puts it on sometimes. I did nearly claim yeah. it had happened on the way there, like yeah. comedians do, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the end, almost the whole gig was about that. And by the end, I think I convinced them it was real blood. Mm. Um, not the sort of act you can replicate many times, though, I have to say. Um, but the... So my, my, well, uh, the Shea Ground is... Um, well, now called uh, the Shea Stadium. It uh, was a football ground in, in Halifax, Halifax Towns Stadium. Yes. And um, I'm an enormous... Uh, well, football fan, but I have specific enthusiasm for old football stadiums. Very often I will go and visit the football ground of a town I mean even if there's not a game there just to, just to see it yeah um, and obviously uh, a lot of stadia now are built out of town and they're a bit more not exactly soulless but uh, they're sort of bigger and, and more corporate mm. seeming but um, there are still a few of these grounds around that are kind of crumbling and have old yeah. old style terraces and old advertising but also have a very large collection of football programmes and it's the same sort of appeal this um a taste of a world that's gone, you know, cigarette adverts yeah. or adverts for coach tours, long defunct uh, Bovril, yeah. all this yeah. sort of thing. I have a real yeah. uh, Pe- sentimental fondness. Peeing down the terraces at half Yes, that, that, <laughs> weighing in someone else's pocket. Yeah, that, the golden yeah. days. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I, in fact, I, t- yes, <laughs> I took my son, who's, up, who's now 12, but when he was about eight, I took him to a football match, a non league ground where you still g- could get Bovril. Yeah. And he, he, he asked what it was, and I said, uh, well, I said, it's a beef drink, basically. And he, he literally just wouldn't believe me. Yeah. I, um, I had to get one to yeah. prove it to him. Melted cow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's been, this is melted cow. Yeah. One or a Coke. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I... Um, so, and now, this, is, so this already is no longer, no longer there. It's been rebuilt. But when I first went to uh, Halifax to play, it was about 2010 or something, uh, Halifax's club had gone out of business and the ground was just there, you might remember, just a, a ghost of a football ground uh, that had been there for 70, 80 years. And I, uh, also it was snowing, it was December. So I stood, it was an obviously mad thing to do. No one had visited for years, but I went out in the snow and just uh, stood on this ancient terrace yes. thinking about the people that congregated there for yeah. decades, generations of people, uh, many of them, to be fair, in flat caps. Uh, and I, um, I felt... Uh, that's what's in it for me, really, with old stadiums, the sense of how much... Yes. The same way some people feel about visiting a um, Roman amphitheatre, and yeah. I do, actually. Um, but it's, it, 
this is the reason I chose it is as I say it's now a bit rebuilt Halifax as a club are back on their feet yeah. um, so now you would just see a, a sort of generic lower league ground there but for about for about 10 years there was this as I say phantom mm. place there and I'd happened to be there during that window so it's a sort of it's one of my seven wonders because it, I, yeah. it no longer exists in that form basically can, can I just check with our you know party in from Yorkshire does any of this make sense is, he, is, is there a ground is it crumbling or what's happening to it now yeah, just like you said. Yeah, oh, right. um, I didn't want it. Yeah, they managed. Yeah, they managed to they managed to reform the club with yeah. mostly public like fans money actually. So it is a happy story that they they, they it's back in business. Again. They, yes, they came back oh, from right. the dead yeah. as a club. But yeah. obviously, it was kind of magical to see this um, yeah. this abandoned football ground. Mostly, they get sold off and yeah. turned into IKEAs and things like that. Um, but if you can grab them, there's yeah. sometimes a a ghost ground there just for a couple of years and it yes. is quite a thing if you're a football fan to observe uh, I, I, I shouldn't inter- in put in my stories as well particularly but it does, did remind me of uh, I once went on a trip with my father to Glen Buck in Ayrshire uh, which used to have a t- does anyone know about the Glen Buck cherry pickers all yeah. yeah. oh, right there you are see so so to give you an idea of what the sort of holidays I had as a child <laughs> they were labor basically <laughs> <laughs> no we 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 stayed me and my father stayed with my ex infant school teacher <laughs> Mrs. Willock who lived in Alloway in uh, Ayrshire I don't know why we spent some days she was retired I don't know I was, why going, we to spent... ask. I was going to ask no I know but it was a, <laughs> it's a complicated so anyway we went on a trip to see Glen Buck which used to produce it was a mining village and it produced loads and loads of great footballers um, including as it happens Bill Shankly you're the, the Liverpool manager right. and his brother who was another uh, manager but there all we could see was a field uh, the mining thing was gone there was a school still being used to sp- being used to score uh, store straw and um, agricultural products like that and the whole village apart from three houses had completely disappeared and uh, I was <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is where all these footballers came from. Most, most of them I had never heard of. But uh, um, so that 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 for me lodges in my mind as, a, as it was all misty. You know, a man came out of the mist and said he remembered the Shankleys and they all lived over there and that <laughs> crumbled down. He would have been paid yeah. to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he said it three times. Has anyone else gone to see Glenn Buck? Anyone? My. As we had a chance if we had a party from Glen Buck as well as. Uh, well, but then it would start to not. it would start to look suspicious. Yes, then, it um, would, yeah. yes there is something about these yeah. places where that have history written into them, mm. but you can no longer quite reach out and touch it, but you sense it. There's something yes. special about that. I well, think. talking of history and touching it, which, are, in fact, you can't, but we're going on <laughs> to uh, your next wonder, which is a more obvious wonder, dare I say, uh, than a football ground in Halifax. It's Stonehenge. Uh, yes, I thought I'd go for at least one sort of widely acknowledged wonder Good. of the world. yes. Excellent. And, um, yes, um, again, it is sort of tinged with... Uh, I'm melancholy, don't want to keep painting myself into this gloomy old bastard corner. Yeah. Um, but as you say, you can't touch it anymore. And um, Stonehenge was somewhere that I grew up, I grew up in Bristol, not far away. And you'd occasionally glimpse it from the road. Um, but I never visited it until it was, until the, the, the present time when, of course, you can't get very close to the stones. No. And you, you are kind of herded round it in quite a, So even though I found it, uh, it was a fulfilment of ambition to go there, but it was somehow less magical than I felt as if it might have been. Yes. I'd read, is it either Tess of the Durvilles or Judy? Because I think it is Tess, where Tess, they, Tess they, they Durvilles, just yeah. stumble yeah. upon Stonehenge. Yeah. And that idea was magical. And I'd seen photos of it. And um, uh, the, the idea that you might just kind of come upon Stonehenge in the night, like they do in that book, yeah. it fascinated me. But of course, the, the pragmatic reality of it now is, is 
quite different. I well, still enjoyed visiting it, but I couldn't help thinking this is now a tourist experience I'm having, and there, there was a time when yeah. you could just do this. Well, know. there was a time when it wasn't really protected, so people could stumble on it, and they could also damage it and write their initials on it, things like that. This so is the thing, of course, you can see why it's protected now, yeah. but you do lose a piece of why yeah. people wanted to see it in the first place. I think there might even be a sort of Thomas Hardy was it, was here, or uh, written somewhere, but yeah. Yeah, this is the trouble, isn't it? It's an interesting question whether it would have, whether it is more magical yeah. preserved, as it were, in amber now, or whether we ought to have let it kind of gradually decline, but at least it would still be what yeah. it always was. Declined quite a lot, but do, do you... Yeah, do again, you, I never do saw you it. Go, when you go to see Stonehenge or, or any other sort of standing stones around the country, do you get um, a, a feeling of you know, a, an association with things from thousands of years ago? Yeah, but it's quite difficult. It's quite a difficult emotion to access, isn't it? I, 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 I've travelled back and forth to the west a lot and you often see that Westbury White Horse or there's two or three of those in yes. fact. and again there's something uh, really magical about both the, all of these sites of our kind of our pagan past our, our ancestry but exactly what you're meant to feel I'm never quite sure really yeah. beyond oh that's cool there's that horse again I, yeah. I, I, sort of, I feel as if the sight of something that is hundreds or thousands of years old ought to stir more in you than it does. It's just very mm. difficult to. You always feel sort of intellectually at one remove from it, basically. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely fascinating that Stonehenge was constructed in the way it must have been, and that it is that it is a remnant of a past that we are so removed from. Yeah. So basically, yes, there is something stirs in you when you see these things, but it's very hard to know what to think apart from. Well, that's really old, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, it's so old that it's in, sort of incomprehensible. Again, you yes. know, I, my brain can just about stand on the terraces of an old football ground and think people have been coming here for 70 years 100 years when it becomes thousands of years yeah. it's, it's very difficult for your brain to do anything with that well, idea the I great think. thing about Stonehenge is there's always something new that somebody comes up with so the, I think almost the most recent thing is they've they found the site in Wales where they think the blue stones were originally erected and so before they were yeah. transported quite a long way given they didn't have uh, railways well we don't anymore but, themselves, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but they didn't have yeah. they didn't have again you know, not, not everything changes yeah. they don't have uh, they didn't have um, you know mechanised things so no they, they were they're waiting for a replacement bus no, service no. for days. With it. <laughs> um, you can't bring that on, mate. <laughs> so what? And then, and the why was it built? Was it a burial site? Was it a gathering point? A, a thing to a, a very clumsy calendar for working out when the Midsummer's Day is. But yeah, uh, I, I often think if I did get a, a, a time machine, that would probably be one of my choices. Go back and watch that yes. being constructed. But of course, probably still wouldn't make any sense of it. You, you still have no idea what was going on. <laughs> no, I suppose not. It would be quite something yeah. to watch, but. Also, yeah. it'd be very, very slow. It depends how long you get in the time machine. Uh, I suppose yeah. you, you wouldn't see a lot of action per day. No, I, I don't know. It might, it might be immediate. I don't, your own family guy, they do it in straight away. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. Just sort of, yes. maybe it's like a yeah. sort of fold out tent. We don't have that technology anymore. I, yeah. I did a, a documentary about the Stonehenge not long ago. At that point, they were fairly convinced that the, uh, it was sort of the last flowering of the Stone Age. Um, that was the great sort of achievement of the Stone Age. It's more or less completely worked. But after that, the people were rather pushed aside by people with. Uh, more efficient technology as uh, bronze and iron came in yeah, and they were replaced sense. rather than they didn't just learn these new techniques people with the new te techniques that's been a dispute over over quite some time but they think they've now resolved and that. that sort of makes sense doesn't it you can imagine people 500 years on looking at Stonehenge and thinking oh, look at that old piece of crap in yeah. the same way that people suddenly started pulling up carpet yeah. and restoring floorboards yes. eventually everything comes back yeah. <laughs> Stonehenge is a good example oh, yeah. of something your granddad would have said it'll come back in you yeah. watch <laughs> 
So a few thousand years later, it came back as a tourist attraction. So have you been... There's a road. Is it the Ray 313 that goes past Stonehenge? 303, I think, yes. A lot, a lot of people say, um, you know, oh, I was a bit disappointed with Stonehenge because I've looked at it from the road. But you do you do need to get out yes. and park. Oh, and, I have been twice yeah. to actually look at yeah. it and paid to see it and everything. And yeah. it, as I say, it is, it's um, still well worth doing. But somehow, in, in a way, yes, it's, it's something yeah. that you envy the ancients for having seen, maybe. Yes. Although, I, I, on the other hand, yeah. I don't envy them most of the other stuff. <laughs> if you had a time machine, would you go forwards or backwards? Oh, for sure. my son asked me this just the other week. Oh, I, don't right. know, yeah. I don't know if he's, if he's got one. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> sounded like a bit he's of a loaded wor- question. He's working on it. Yeah, we were on our, I was on my way taking them to the dentist, so I very much wouldn't go forwards at that point, yeah. I can tell you. It's, yeah. um, absolutely, without question, backwards, yeah. I, I, think that, uh, I, I don't think there's anything to be gained by seeing what is in store either for no. oneself or yeah. for civilization. It's a bit scary, I think. As, uh, yeah. There now, would have been a time when we looked forward and thought, oh, this is marvellous to see all the wonderful innovations. And now we think, oh, will anything still be here? Yes, I don't necessarily... I'm not saying that things will necessarily be worse in, in different uh, future epochs, but I don't think that's what I want. No, I think like everyone else, I just have a go at the Romans or medieval times yes. or uh, something like that. Just go to medieval feast, one of those things. Yeah. The court of Richard II, I think, or something. Yeah. My, my, that's my specialist area. I'd like to see Chaucer do a... Uh, Oh, right. Do a reading of the Canterbury Towers or something like okay. that. Yeah. You want to make sure you go back and you're a you know, high up person because I think lowly people's lives are pretty tough. Well, that's pre, the only thing. Pre medicine and pre, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. It's, I'd have a lot of questions over how long you stay there, whether you can definitely come back. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. All right. Do you look like a person from now? Because you have to field a lot of questions if not. You, you look as though you could fit in pretty well in medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> Emaciated, <laughs> waif like, and with a life expectancy of 35. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's, let's go on to a more modern thing, uh, really, for your fourth wonder, which is New York seen from a plane. Yes, it doesn't have to be New York, actually, but I just thought I'd spread the uh, the landmarks around the so world. So anywhere seen from a plane. Well, The sh- view from a plane. A, 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 yeah. um, a, a metropolis seen <laughs> yes. from a plane is sort of what I mean, okay. I think. And I think New York's the best example I could think of off the top of my head because mm. there is something absolutely dizzying about the size and scale of it yeah. but then, then I haven't there have been plenty of cities I haven't seen uh, Sydney is uh, spectacular in a different way but it's mm. I think uh, and I have also been to uh, Tokyo but uh, just because of the time of day you can, couldn't really see anything I have a real um, 
I, I, I sort of respond to cities in the way that some people respond to mountain ranges or things. Mm. I think I, I find it very moving that I know that we've caused enormous <laughs> uh, damage with our uh, with many of our human activities, but I think there's something wonderful about yeah. landscapes and so skyscrapers are sort of my equivalent of mountains or waterfalls, I suppose. And so yeah. obviously New York is a famous one, but I think often when you're at ground level, the uh, you, you are rather well. You're overwhelmed, but also you don't have perspective. Something mm. about flying into land and seeing the, you get a sense of just how many millions of souls are collected yes. beneath you in one snapshot. People you will never meet, and you seeing cars go, uh, cars and trains and all of it. But just seeing the the the, uh, the swarm of human activity from a plane is a real, ironically, real grounding moment. I think because you remember how tiny you are mm. in, in the human scheme. Yeah, yeah, and also the architecture of cities is. Fascinating. Again, on foot, you often don't get a sense of it, but from above, you can often see how cities have been planned and yeah. gradually outgrown those plans. And yeah, I love yeah. it. Well, I think New York has definitely got the the way they build buildings, the skyscrapers. They're s- similar sized buildings together, and, and uh, it's all like crystalline growth. Whereas other cities, well, I'm thinking, I suppose, mainly about London, where there are some great buildings, but they seem to poke up rather randomly and in a slightly disorganised yeah, way. Yeah, London has the appearance of from the air of, of what it is, basically, uh, absolute chaos that has been built. Mm. London, uh, because of course, there's centuries and centuries of building. London is like a house that your parents have been working on. They've added more and more mad features like yeah. a conservatory. Yeah. Or, uh, whereas, yeah, something like New York obviously still has that. It has that original sense of clarity and purpose. And then now the clutter and madness of a modern yes. city. So there's something for everyone. To me, it just looks like things that have grown on, on a culture of money. So the yeah. Wall Street, there's these big buildings. Then further up, there's another huge lot of buildings. And the lesser ones are where it's, there's less money in it. That's right. Yeah. And I, again, I often think about what it would have been like for people even 50 years ago, but certainly 100 years ago, to, mm. to observe this. And it would have been incomprehensible. Yes. Yeah. Um, Dubai is obviously an extreme example because you'll sometimes see, I've been to Dubai once or twice to work and you'll see photos of 1970 where there's nothing there at all but desert and 50 years on this sort of almost frightening uh, tiny metropolis yeah. and that's, that is seen by us as being sort of almost vulgar the way it's grown and, and as it's all powered by money but in fact you know if you go back far enough yeah. all of our cities are now a dizzying size compared with the way they, they yeah. grew up. So you've got quite a uh, wide-ranging career as a community. You, you, you play in Australia, Dubai, Tokyo, you mentioned maybe you go to Hong Kong. Do you, do, have you also performed in New York or is that a, Actually, another world? I have not. No, I've been to the Montreal Comedy Festival, yes. as you will have done, yeah. um, uh, which is, although in Canada, it is quite American-centric festival. But New York itself, no. I've visited several times, but I've always been intimidated to actually try and get on stage there because... As you say, it is sort of its own world. The New York comedy scene is so, yes. so very discreet from ours, and so uh, the culture. Of, I like New York a lot, but the culture of it feels kind of quite baffling and alien. Whereas, ironically, Melbourne is twice as far away. Feels yeah. very, very uh, familiar. Yes, it would, it's a challenge I do have in my mind. I'd love to do just a few minutes on stage in New York, but I don't think. I think most British comics find it much odder than performing in most countries, just because the American. Yeah. This is not to call Americans insular or anything, because it is just such a it's such a sealed culture in some ways, and there's so many references. I watch American comics, and I've got often almost no idea what they're on about yeah. in a way that doesn't happen with Canadians, even or Australians no, or New Zealand comics. Definitely not Australian. I think Australia just to me seems like it's British people, but in the sun. They, I mean, Pretty much, yeah. They, they don't like that to be told that, but it's but it just, almost is that, and they've yeah. all got British family, or they've been yeah. to Britain. So yeah, doing a, exporting a British comedy show. Yeah. into Australia you just have to say the same jokes but with mate at the end of every sentence and you're away basically um. well it was a great thing in the old days you know going back to 30, 40 years people would go and extend their career uh, by going and doing series in Australia or tours and stuff 
Um, it's yeah. been a real privilege to, the, yeah. the amount that I've been able to and yeah. hopefully as, as the world yeah. makes it possible again I will travel yeah. um, although again Tokyo uh, was, it was a holiday I, I don't I'm not sure how well I'd go over there. Well, uh, uh, there seem to be uh, English-speaking people in uh, most parts of the world. So Dubai, presumably you're playing to uh, expats. I've been British. to Dubai yeah. several times to, to play to expats who, uh, I, and I don't wish to stereotype the sort of people that go and live in Dubai, <laughs> but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily always to their taste. I, um, <laughs> they tend to be the sort of people who say, I'll tell you who was funny then, yes. and then name somebody who... Uh, yeah, I don't have very much in common with. Again, this is not to uh, generalise. I've had some nice times, but I haven't actually been there for years, though. But it's, those are the sort of gigs you go yeah. in order to lie in the sun for a few days, I think it's fair to say. Okay. Whereas many countries of the world... Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it makes you realise how lucky you are to be an English speaker, really, because, mm. as you say, there are English-language gigs you can perform almost anywhere. Hong Kong is a good example. Yes. I, I found myself in some unbelievable places yeah. as a result of doing this, yeah. and that is one of the huge perks of the job. So I, I dare say you're somebody who might have criticism of the colonialism of the British Empire, but you're very grateful uh, that that uh, spread the language around the world to provide you with a career Absolutely. to do jokes about. The best of both worlds, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on. We're going we're gonna to run out of time, otherwise let's get on to your fifth Ooh, wonder, yeah. which is, well, it's back to Australia, I think, the lyrebird. Yes, actually, I, I mean, luckily I don't have as much to say about this, but uh, the lyrebird is... Um, but the reason I think this is a wonder is it's a wonder in the most literal sense, which is I just can't really believe that this exists. Mm. Um, but uh, and I've not even seen it with my own eyes, despite how much. But a live bird is probably most everyone knows is uh, this bird which can impersonate the sounds of other birds, but also other things that it hears. And it, but it's spelt lyre as in the musical instrument. Yeah. And yet that must be a pun on. on being a liar, classically Australian sort of gag, even yeah. within its name, the, the guys just can't take anything seriously. And um, I, but I, I, I made these selections very late last night, and I, I'd forgotten all about the liar yeah. bird. But then yes. I was reminded of it yesterday yes. because I took the kids to a show, which some people might have seen, called Attenborough and His Animals, where these two absolute nutters uh, replicate the documentaries of David Attenborough so one of them turns to be Attenborough and one of them turns to be all the animals and oh, I, um, it's the sort of thing watching it as a comedian you think bloody hell I wouldn't do this every day yeah. I, um, and so part of their part what do the animals do do they do they attack each other they mate, do a, mate with each other there's a bit of everything all there's right, an awful okay. lot of squawking yeah. for the girl in it yeah. and um, <laughs> for, you can, I'll leave that to your imagination yes, yes. and um, just, just two of them. One of yeah. them does an uncanny Attenborough impression, and then the other one takes on the forms of many animals. Uh, but they were talking about the lyrebird, and then there was quite a moving bit where the lyrebird started to impersonate things like power drills and uh, uh, thing, you know, mm. th that were chopping down the forest, and which is again has been observed, I believe, that the birds starting to make the sounds of things which shouldn't be in their yeah. habitats. And so there's a brief moment of reflection about. Um, what our intervention has done to these animals. Then it went back to being really silly. Yeah. Um, I was going to recommend it, but I think it has, it's finished now. But look out for those guys in the future. Well, what, what, do we know why they do these? In, because uh, I think normally it's assumed that a, a male lyre bird will make an, or any bird will make a noise, have a call to attract the females so that they can reproduce the species. But it's counterproductive if you impersonate another species because you might get the females of the wrong species. <laughs> and who wants a power drill to be attracted to? That's, a, that's the last thing you want. Precisely. Plus, if animals are anything like us, I don't think being an impressionist is the way to pull. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I can think of sexier skills on the market. Um, but, but it's... it's um, yeah, this is what fascinates me. you said this is John Culture at all? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. But if I did, he'd say... He'd say uh, he'd deliver a, 
good put down in someone else's voice. In your voice, yeah, probably in my voice, yeah, or your Welsh voice. Yes, probably never insulting impressionist. Yeah, this is the thing. I don't understand the purpose of this and no, I don't know much about it I mean you're right though it'll it'll be something to do with attracting if, if we've all learnt one thing from Attenborough it's almost everything comes down to sex whatever species you are yes. it'll be some sort of complex mating strategy probably but um, yeah, yeah what I like about it partly is you sometimes come across these bonkers things that exist in nature and it's not clear why yeah. what purpose it serves apart from God just thinking it'd be funny if there was a bird that was an impressionist yes. and, um, so it's a very small yeah. wonder but I love the idea that for no apparent reason yeah. nature or God or whatever has yeah. Just occasionally gives us one of these yes. quirky uh, I think things. I think there's some fish that just the male has to build a load of stuff, and uh, and then the female will be attracted by that. But that's there's no further involvement of the stuff. Exactly, yeah. there are loads yeah. of these quirks. I mean, sometimes yeah. you think they must be just doing it to get on Attenborough shows. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> pretend to make the noise of a power drill. That yeah. guy over there will make you big. <laughs> He's been yeah, doing it for yeah. so long, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if animals yeah. have started to play up to him. Well, uh, well, I, the, the, the spectacular example of that, I may be getting this wrong, but I think this is the case. Nobody had heard of meerkats until David Attenborough did a programme about meerkats. I didn't know that. He put uh, them on the map. I think so. My daughter loves so. meerkats. So, they then became... They're in Disney films now. They've, they've got their own, They do those endless uh, adverts, those irritating adverts. Uh, uh, I, don't know, I can't remember what they advertise anymore. Well, it's just as well you can't, but I'll yeah. tell you, it's a price comparison website, and yes. you're right, it's annoying as hell, yeah. but you're right, that's given meerkats. Yeah. That's even another level of fame. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like, like, yeah. In another generation, I wouldn't have an eight-year-old whose party trip was a meerkat impression. No. And yet, here no. we are, yeah. So that was a... That that is, yeah. It's funny yeah. to think Attenborough's yeah. been going for so long, he's essentially created animals yes. himself, yeah. uh, is what we're saying. In, in a yeah. similar vein, yeah. um, there was a news story a couple... Well, there was a tweet a couple of years ago by John Simpson, the yeah. um, veteran newsreader, about how hmm. he was on holiday somewhere and basically a war had broken out and I yeah. couldn't help tweeting saying he's, he's been in the news for so long the news builds itself around yes. him now in the same way that wherever a paro is a murder happens yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, you've done some adverts as well, haven't you? Did uh, was it uh, cider you used to do? I don't like to boast, uh, yeah. Clive, but I not only advertised cider, I was the voice of the innocent smoothies rabbit for uh, for a oh, while. Right. <laughs> and that's two of my five a day. Yeah. Well, why didn't someone tell me about this? There you go. And uh, it was not a cartoon rabbit; it was yeah. an actual live-action yeah. rabbit. And I didn't tell my mum, so my mum had a strange day where she put the TV on, and apparently she uttered the line, "Chris, I've just heard a rabbit talking with Mark's voice." <laughs> <laughs> This is something that would only happen to the mother of a comedian. I yes, think. yeah. And, and you, I mean, are, they, are they enjoyable to do ads, or are they, uh, uh, you know, something you get a bit of flack from? It's uh, there is sometimes a bit. I mean, the cider advert was uh, I was did get a little bit of criticism from my peers, but on the other hand, it was very well paid. <laughs> uh, but the dream, of course, is to is to do what I did with the innocent thing and just pretend to be a rabbit and be paid for that without ever even appearing on screen. Yes. Rob Brydon um, does it awful lot of uh, business like that and um, well, he, he also uh, does his, he does uh, tour you know cruises doesn't he? he he appears to be on a cruise saying this he's is got all sorts of side hustles yeah, yeah. and he, he, um, his voice is worth a lot of money without he never yeah. well, he probably well he's does proper get, yeah. Welsh you see he can do yes, it. That's, he doesn't have to put it on that's where yeah. the money is yeah. I did a gig with him a couple of years ago and he said um, it must have been before COVID and he said uh yeah he was talking about the benefits of what you mentioned having a studio in your home he said yeah. I don't leave the house now it's Nice chunk of cash. 
Sainsbury's advert, don't even get out of your pyjamas. And then he mentioned the amount and it was absolutely unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to, it's yes. his business, not yeah. mine, but Christ almighty. So yes, yeah. in short, when adverts do come along, yes, I do enjoy yeah. them. Well, he, <laughs> I think he had quite a lucrative but obscure career for, for a while doing lots of voiceovers. Things. That's the and thing. And then he broke them. And, and he, he was a voice artist, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. And then he's fantastic yeah. in his various... Uh, guys is now, but I suppose he keeps that going just in case uh, Gavin would, and Stacey I doesn't come back, or, I, yes. or uh, would I lie to you, all those other, other ones. <laughs> would I lie to you? Yes, I might, about a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's the, that's the liar bird, and uh, so now, the next wonder, uh, which is a good one, but it's very all-embracing, because you say all underground and subway systems. Yes, a lot of people complain about the underground in London, or, or in general, people are quite yeah. They regard and for there good, some good reasons. I suppose New York one is very dirty. I suppose and the Paris. Yeah. But as as a as a rule, I, I just and again, I, I suppose this is rather sort of um, starry eyed of me, and it, it uh, cuts against my gloomy persona. But I just think that uh, in general, uh, metro systems, uh, underground trains, are an extraordinary example of human ingenuity. Yes. Basically, I, I just think it's when you stop and think about it, it's quite. Sometimes I, I'm on, in London. I live in London, and I'm on the tube so often that I rarely do think about it. But occasionally, you do think. Yeah. This, we're essentially under Buckingham Palace here, yeah. and this oughtn't to be possible. Um, when the kids were smaller, we went to the National Transport Museum in London, which I recommend. I'm not much of a transport buff, but it is fascinating. And you'll see there photos of how they dug these yeah. tunnels and did it in, in the late Victorian times. And really, it's absolutely. I felt the same when the Eurostar was being built. Even when I was yeah. at school. The idea that it was possible to build a tunnel to France seemed, even now feels fanciful yeah. to me. There's a childlike bit of me that still thinks it's pretty incredible that we can devise and make stuff like uh, trains that go under a city. I think it's, you know, yeah. we give ourselves a hard time as humans, but we have come up with some good stuff. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I completely approve of this. I, I, I every now and then compile a list of my seven ones because people are always asking me what are yours and which I rather resent because like, you know, now you're doing my format but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I have yeah. I sometimes get your own podcast uh, yeah <laughs> no I, I put uh, you know London Underground uh, on my on list because it's uh, it's always been in my life and it's the, the map is so beautifully designed it's a remarkable the, the piece of work but yeah. then you're right there there are plenty of others uh, there's there are um 205 cities in 61 countries have a metro system, is that, uh, that which would, is extraordinary. Loads guessed. of them in China. I think oh, it's I 60 suppose, or something. I've got it written I suppose down here. Chinese 44, cities. 44 in China. 44 Chinese that cities. Is ex- 44 yeah. cities in China alone that are so vast that they, yeah. they justify having it. That I is, mean, we could probably here name three or four Chinese cities we think might be big enough, but then there's yeah, another that, 40 that gives you a, that. That is extra- <laughs> extraordinary to think about. Yes. Yeah. 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 I've, only once have I performed in China, and that was a similar thing. Again, expats, a lot of Americans. Americans and yeah, even on that on that place uh, that, that tour we took in there's Beijing and Shanghai, but also two or three cities that were yeah. uh, incomprehensibly large for cities that most of us haven't even yeah, heard of. Sure. It's, it's beyond belief. Yeah, but yeah, I do think. Um, and so with cities like that, it's in fact with a lot of cities, the size of them means that uh, you know underground travel is almost unavoidable, really. But I do think London's is well, it must be up there with the. It's it is so. Uh, and again, we all grumble about it when we're on it. Yeah. But really, it's it's the, the speed with which you can traverse London yeah. uh, by a series of uh, tunnels is quite well, a modern miracle. I, I, think, I love really. the London Underground, especially now I don't have to pay for it uh, because. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's uh, Glasgow's got a, a, a an underground system, a subway system, and yeah. that's all we've got in this country that counters underground in, in the whole of the UK. Yeah, Manchester has sort of a metro system, doesn't it? But some cities doesn't, have trams. But it didn't, yeah. it didn't count in the article. No, I guess I, not. Uh, no. Uh, but so. Do you presumably been on the Paris one, the New York one. 
Uh, I'm, I've been on those, but yeah. I've been on the Moscow one, which I know Russia isn't fashionable at the moment, but that apparently is pretty impressive. I'd love to have done that. I, I, Moscow is, uh, and Russia in general is top of my list of, well, I don't like to say regrets because it could still be on, but it's certainly, it's, it's, yeah. it would be top of my destinations. To visit. I nearly went to Russia a few years ago didn't quite work out because the paperwork was immensely complicated and yes. it does now look as if it was one yeah. to not put off yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you, the, you were applying from Ukraine were you or, uh, or so yes it, it's, it must have on gone to the bottom of someone's pile yeah. yes I have been on a few though as you say the New York one is um, uh, kind of great for how much like a film it is like yeah. it's sort of dirty and squalid yeah. and inst- instead of the um, this is Piccadilly Circus, yeah. they basically just bark at you. Yes. <laughs> 61st Street, go! Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely no it's help. It's quite hard to follow you know, which really line is. goes where. You don't always know which stops it is going to be. There's yeah. no please mind the gap. They're just like, are you on the train or are yeah. you going home? Yeah, yeah. It's properly, yeah. Yes. And then the Tokyo one was... Um, the, the main thing I remember about Tokyo is stations have an uh, unbelievable number of exits. Like, you know... Yeah. Um, Old Street in London is regarded as one famously confusing, but it's only got about four or five exits, I think. Yeah. I went to one in Tokyo with at least 20 exits, and I'm surprised I'm not still there. Yes. Uh, do I? Yeah. <laughs> and, and written up in Japanese, presumably. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. To be, to, they do yeah. give you a bit of a chance. Yeah. There is some English signage, but even then, it's... it's uh, yeah, I think for, a, for an underground yeah. fan, the, 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 yeah. the Tokyo one is a, a stiff challenge, a workout. You, you mentioned this uh, in passing, in, in a way, that the, 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 my favourite bit on the underground is you get to Green Park... And the, the, there's a sign, maybe an announcement saying, a light here for Buckingham Palace. And I always imagine the Queen travelling on the other. <laughs> oh, this is where we get off. Ah, yes, this Come is on. us, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and the, even the, word, the use of the word alight, you know, because a lot of foreigners travel. The word alight is never used in ordinary conversation. You no, get off here. You don't, oh, a light. The light? Yeah, yeah, well, where's the light? What's uh, the, you can, you yeah. can see people yeah. desperately yeah, Googling yeah, it on their phones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, there, are certain, there are certain quirks like that, uh, like yeah. the way that Old Street always says, Moorfields Eye Hospital yes and you can't help looking to see whether someone gets on with an eye patch yeah, I've been doing that for years it's n- not very tasteful but I've been, do- I've been living in London for 20 years and I've not lost that habit right. yet well, I've got sad news here. they're moving Moorfields Eye they? Hospital they're closing that building uh, and going somewhere else that's a beautiful building yeah I, well it'll I, be a hotel or something I or suppose a, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a man-made zone yeah, that's right yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. it was of course for many years a sight for sore eyes but and now the <laughs> I know it's an old joke but it just came and it, it was just naturally came didn't I didn't, it's nearly the end. I didn't you, set that if up. you think Clive Anderson's not got a closer, then you haven't watched the guy before. <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got your final wonder, uh, Mark, which is an iPhone. Which you uh, yes, because you said you did this last night. Uh, I have to say, I've done a lot of uh, different people. Some of them send me their seven wonders a week in advance, a month <laughs> in advance, a couple of days in advance. You, this came sometime this morning. Yes, after I, you'd woken up. Uh, with, yeah. Yes, after I'd woken up and after I'd sent a text while falling asleep saying yes I'm just doing it now uh, it's fair to say I overstretched myself every fringe and this is no example, uh, no, no exception um, yeah. although all it was was sending a text but I, well, actually I wanted to give it due thought the iPhone essentially is, is there as the seventh one to bind together everything we've been talking about because okay. I, and I'm not much of a sort of tech person but I do find the possibilities of phones and uh, smart technology absolutely fascinating and what I think is specifically wonderful about phones is you know things like street mapping technology the, the way you can now find your way around with a phone yes. or just the way you can uh, call up an image of all of these places we've been talking about or yeah. basically I feel as if a, uh, the world has obviously shrunk in our lifetimes in the, it, psychically and uh, mentally and in some ways that's a shame because we maybe lose some of what's distinct about all the different parts of the world but I, I do think it's a, a um, remarkable thing and quite a moving thing that 
as a world, we are now in constant contact with mm. each other. So it, it, iPhone is sort of ultimate modern wonder of the world because it makes all of the other wonders accessible to yes. basically anyone at, the, at yes. the press of a button. And do you find, as I do, it rather surprising how quickly we get used to these things? You yeah. Think, you say iPhone, oh yeah, we've, and you have to, and it, we've only had iPhones for about 10 years. And yeah. You can hardly remember a time without having an iPhone. That's my fault. And, uh, Absolutely right, and um, in my, in my, the new show that I'm working on now is, is partly about this, about the fact that my son is um, 12 and, and my daughter's 8, and neither of them has ever lived in a world where this was not common, and that is yeah. a, a very, very big difference conceptually from any other generation yeah. ever to live. Although my son now, again, can imagine living without an iPhone because he lost it this afternoon <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> in the city cafe. Yes. Uh, and that's not a gag, unfortunately, for both yeah. of us. Uh, yeah. um, but uh, yes, I do think it is very interesting to ask what, what will be the effects upon the next generation yeah. of having instant everything without ever having known a time yeah. without that? And you have to explain to them that, well, when I was growing up, you made a fo- you had, the phone you had was attached to the wall of your house. Yes. And so yeah. when you went out, you had to drag the whole house with you. To, 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 it was just... Uh, oh, it was, a, it was a simpler time, but we were happy. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to, oh yeah, we made arrangements and we stuck to them. No, we didn't. We made arrangements and we mucked them up and then we had to spend three hours finding where the, our friends were. It's absolutely true, yeah. yes. In an awful lot of ways, it's made life a lot easier. But, yeah. but as with all innovations, it's yeah. made many other things more complicated. Can I, can I throw in this, uh, um, a sort of mildly interesting literary uh, uh, oddity? Is that uh, Aldous Huxley wrote uh, Brave New World in 1931. And all these sort of futuristic books, people are often say, oh, they predicted, you know, Jules Verne predicted landing on the moon. Yeah. And they get, they get so many, fiction gets so same things right. In uh, Brave New World, there's a scene when they're flying around in, you know, in a set in like 500 years time they're flying around the Antarctic and they have to stop this their spacecraft park it go in check into a hotel in order to make a phone call from a phone <laughs> book so, so all this ugly had not predicted uh, and, and why should he I mean he thought uh, in 500 years you'd still be saying you haven't got 20p yeah, have you yeah, I, uh, <laughs> so uh, so iPhone so that's a, a wonder of the world and you and of course the, the wonder of it is you can pack do you know how it works? How do you, all the no, computing power that, that took people to the moon and back is now available to us so we can find uh, where the nearest Pret-a-Manger is? Yeah, uh, uh, just some, somebody, I think it was Arthur C. Clarke, there's some quote like, any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable Sorry, from magic. Mm. And I, that's how I feel about the iPhone or any of these things. I'm not technologically minded, I've got no idea how these things work, but it is true, we, we do live in an age yeah. where of things that ought to be magical to us yes. but aren't always and you get you you get some information that takes 10 seconds that would have taken you three years to, to yeah, research well, even and, and now it's a delay a 10 minute delay because there's some problem with your Wi-Fi oh, what's going on here this is ridiculous yeah, why uh, can't they sort this out I, I, I felt as if you know you thought you were working uh, waiting for me to send this list and we were cutting it fine but <laughs> a few years ago I've had to write you a letter with this in yes. I, uh, my dear Clive yeah. I hope this finds you well you might as well have done Mark <laughs> the lateness yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what your PO box number was. <laughs> Look, we've come to an end. We mustn't, we've overrun already. I know. Sorry. Even if people are enjoying our they conversation. Won't 20, they won't want a 24 even, hour long one. Even if they're not, even if, but if they're not, they are. They've got to go and do other things. So, Mark Watson, thank you for sharing Thanks your Thanks for inviting me. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. A bit more. Now I have to choose the wonder of wonders from your list of seven, the one which struck me as particularly wonderful as you described it in this podcast. And, uh, oh, this is quite a hard one. I, d- I think um, 
I think because I, it's one of the wonders I'd like to see uh, included sometime, I'm going to make uh, all underground and subway systems your wonder of wonders, because yeah. uh, that, that's one I prefer. So, once again, a round of applause be for Mark Watson. Thank you, Vincent. If you enjoyed this episode of My Seven Wonders, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thank you for listening. My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson is a stack production in association with Alaska TV and powered by the ACAST Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.